Recorded live at Toxin Tasting Studios, it's the Clerical Errors Podcast. The podcast that shows you what's behind the collar. Let's go. From the wind-blown plains of Wyoming, this is the Clerical Errors Podcast. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. And Peter's here. Hey, Pete. And welcome to the show. This is the show that shows you what's behind the collar. I feel like there's a large personality missing. Large yeah, calves, I was thinking that least. myself. So. We, gotta, we gotta pump up the energy a little bit. With no Bullhagen here, he's on the the coast of Florida or something. I hear enjoying life. I'm getting plenty of pictures from him. I hear it's in the <laughs> mid 90s down there. Yeah, <laughs> he probably likes that. Yeah, yeah little too little too warm for me. So his goal weather. for no shirt is probably being met. Indeed. So, Vicar, you've been by yourself. What's going on up there? Well, the first week was very quiet. Um, our secretary was gone, too, and I she must have prepped everybody really well that she wouldn't be there because the phone didn't even ring, but maybe twice, and they were kind of like commercial sales calls things both times. But then this week, she's back, and the phone rings every five minutes, and huh. uh, <laughs> we've got, you know... We've got a people, person in the hospital, and I, I visited three people today. It's been a different week for sure. But um, we did do a matin service both weekends he was gone, and I feel like that went well. And uh, one of your former students, Berg, uh, played the piano for this last Sunday's service and hymns. Oh, yeah? Is this someone who's related to you? Yes. <laughs> well, good. Good yeah. for her. I'm glad that she was able to uh, use her talents in that way. So, yep. To to God be the glory. Well, well. Before we keep going, I I we we got to talk about what we're drinking because I brought something special for myself. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you guys have anything. Well, so I I do have something. There was somebody here in Wyoming, uh, a listener of the show, who commented on the your drink that you had a couple weeks ago, Peter. Can't remember what it was. Uh, Oh, the Mountain Dew, the the fiery hot Mountain Dew. Yeah, I don't know. There was something that that uh, I thought I said I was going to mention on the show, and I completely forgot what the drink was. So you know, that's the way it well, goes. I can tell you what it might have been, uh, because I'm about to drink it. All right, I've got hard Mountain Dew. Hard Mountain Dew today. Hard Mountain Dew. I got a tall boy of, of hard Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Wow. So this is 5% alcohol, Baja Blast Mountain Dew. I've been warned this is not good. <laughs> okay. But of the Baja Blast, or of the Mountain Dew flavors, this is the best one. So hey, that's let, what I've been told. So this is let the best of the worst. <laughs> Am I supposed to shake this? Uh, I would. That would, uh, <laughs> that would be super hilarious. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah, see how please. That goes. <laughs> All right, here we go. You know that's not bad. Rock on. I mean, it's very, it's very much Baja Blast, but you get like a little bit of the the bitter alcohol after afterwards. It re- kind of reminds me of that the can you had of the Blue Mountain Dew they used to have at Taco Bell. Blue Mountain Dew. Sounds yeah. disgusting. <laughs> they have, you mean besides Baja Blast? I don't know. 
I'm not Taco an Bell is the one that had Baja Blast. Okay. Uh, then they eventually started selling it in stores, stores during the summer. You can buy it. Okay. At least in the Midwest. So, but yeah, if you want your Baja Blast fix, you go to Taco Bell. So, yeah, this is this is not bad. I don't think I'll buy it again, but it's not bad, and it is carbonated. So nice, Vicar. You got anything? I raided the Clerical Errors mini fridge and found some of that Spindrift sparkling water with lime. You know, the one mm-hmm. that Bullhagen's always saying tastes like it has real fruit. So I'm going for that. Rock on. Interesting. You didn't want to go for a Fresca? No, not this time. There's a theory I've heard that uh, could use a good Fresca every now and again. Hmm. I've heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm gonna do my best with my meager uh energy. Uh we were just discussing that I just got out of work. I worked from home today, so I've got a little more energy than normal, so I'll try and keep it up. <laughs> what are you what do you have, Berg? Did you have something? Yeah, I have a LaCroix uh lime. So just some sparkling water, you know. The breakfast of champions. Oops. Okay. So before we, the other thing I want to hit before we get too far into the show is, I don't know if you guys saw, but we had teased a few weeks ago that somebody was working on a song for us of some kind. Okay. And, uh, well, they sent it to us finally. So I'm, I'm it's too bad Bull Higgins is not here. He has listened to it and he told me that it was uh, incredible, but I have refrained. He sent it to me and I said, no, I'm going to listen to it on the podcast. So All right. Hopefully, I admire your restraint. Thank you, thank you. Ready? Yep. Let's do it. We we here. Hey. I have uh, the much anticipated Coca Cola Star. <laughs> oh no. Well, it's good to be back. So. <laughs> oh, this is a vibe. I like it. Well, I, I really like the uh, John Carpenter-esque vibe. It feels like an 80s sci-fi movie, you know? Which, you know, we are, of course. We are. <laughs> we are that bodacious. If you if you wanted to have one genre for the Clerical Airs podcast, it's absolutely what, what, what you just said. What would you say? 80s? 80s sci-fi? 80s sci-fi movie. That is for sure. <laughs> So oh. we can't. We don't have time. Uh, that was from Baron Albatross. Albatross. Who is this? Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know. It says Baron Albatross. Oh, that's uh, awesome. <laughs> it was enjoyable. Well, speaking of space and going up, right? What are we talking about today, Vicar? 
Well, we're going to talk about the ascension of our Lord. All right. When and is ascension again? Thursday. Thursday. Why is it on a Thursday? Well, it's it's 50 days. No, that's Pentecost. Sorry. Why is mm-hmm. it on a Thursday, Berg? Well, because it's 40 days after a Sunday is always on a Thursday. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> and because Easter is always on a Sunday. It's always on a Thursday. It's always on a Thursday. All right, so what text do we have for the Ascension? Well, they for the one-year lectionary, they have the uh, Ascension of Elijah as the Old Testament reading for 2 Kings 2, 5 to 15. Um, and then they have the Acts 1, 1 through 11, but also the Luke 24, uh, 44 through 53. So which one would you want to hear and talk about? Oh, I thought the uh, historic lectionary had Mark sixteen. That's an, that's the other option for the. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be Luke or Mark for the one year lectionary. Well, Vicar, so, you get to choose. So I was going to say, who's preaching this? I I am. Uh, you are. I am. Oh yeah, because it'll be Thursday. Yeah, it'll be Thursday. So would you rather look at the Mark one or the Luke one? Or should we just look at the Acts one? Let's okay. look at the Acts one. All right. Right, so we got so, uh, Acts 1, 6 through 11. Yeah, I have here 1, 1 through 11. Um, All right. The promise of the Holy Spirit is kind of what that's called. It says, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them about his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during forty days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who has taken up from you into heaven, who was taken up from from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right. So, Vicar, are you you preaching on any of of the ascension? Uh, No, we're not. We would have, if Bullhagen was still here, we might have done something, but in his absence, we're not, so. Okay, so I guess, um, what sticks out to you, Vicar? Well, you kind of get that sense of the Great Commission when he's talking about, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth, because that is basically all nations as they know it. So you've got that Matthew 28 great commission charge there. Um, Mm -hmm. What also stands out is 
like at the tomb, there's angels reporting on, on behalf of Jesus. So you do also get this sense of him being God, the second person of the Trinity. He even has angels working for him. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing would be, um, we're not left with just his going away either. We still have this promise of how he will come in the same way you saw him go. So very expectant uh, waiting, but also a mission. I, I can't overlook that mission aspect of this. Well, it makes sense because this book is the Acts of the Apostles. So right. you actually have to like, you know... <laughs> Come to terms with their preaching and their teaching, right? Right. So what's the first book? The first book. The first book in the in that first verse. Luke? Luke yeah, Luke mentions the first book. Right. Yeah, what is that first book for our readers who might not know? The work and life of Christ. Which is found in Luke. The Gospel? Yeah, the Gospel of Luke, right? Right. So this is just a continuation of of the Gospel of Luke. And Theophilus, which means lover of God, uh, is being addressed here, right? He's addressed in um, the Gospel of Luke in the prologue, that all of these things were set down in an orderly way. And so now this is continuing. Uh, Luke records the, uh, the life and the work of Jesus, and this is the life and the work of Jesus and how it is preached and bears fruit throughout the entire world. Uh, a couple of other really interesting things here. Um, the promise of the Father, and it's and it kind of corresponds to John's baptism in a way, in a negative sense. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, um, which we'll hear about on Pentecost and we'll talk about in the next episode. Um, and then you also have some very messianic political questions. Seems to be kind of the order of the day, right? Politics. Uh, right. Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, that could be a whole sermon in and of itself, right? Uh, that what is Christ's kingdom? What has he come to do? Right? And then this would be a great way to talk about the distinction between the kingdom of power and the kingdom of grace, which you learned in uh, catechism class. And then, uh, yeah, I actually am preaching a sermon based on this text, uh, verse 11. Uh, why do you stand looking into heaven, right? Which I think is a great question because people do that today. Uh, people look into heaven for all sorts of things. When a loved one dies, uh, when things are going wrong in the world, right? And they don't actually look for Christ where he is present, that he is present in his word and in his sacraments. So, And I wonder, too, if people, even the non-believer, have this sense of trying to see or prove that whether or not God is out there. I mean, they go to space. They uh, always have telescopes out there looking. They're searching for life out there. Anything, it seems, so that they can prove God's not out there. But they, too, are in that group that are looking up because if he's there, he must be in the sky. Yeah, and they don't see him where he actually promises to be. Yeah, I can't remember who the first Soviet was. They, they got up into space, and they're like, yep, God's not here. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Way to go, guys. Up here. So, I've I've been bringing uh this with me this week when I visit people to talk about it and uh the the ascension here and 
with Christ going up there and sending his Holy Spirit as he promises, it's only then that he returns to where he came from that we have the full uh, inseparable work of the triune God. Um, And Jesus is now back to his throne and omnipresent. He can be here, he can be there, he can come and search out his lost sheep and he can work through the word and sacrament and and everywhere else he promises to be. Even yeah. better than when he's right there with them. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get into that in our next section. So, Vicar, um, you mentioned Second uh, Kings, right? The right. Um, the ascension of Elijah. What kind of things are, you know, this? What are what kind of things are similar, and what kind of things are different between these two ascensions? Between well, that of Elijah and that. I mean, of you've got this elaborate chariot of fire um, visible to all uh, that were there. Um, I thought it was interesting that 50 men was mentioned in verse 7. Uh, 50 men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood, you know, there at the Jordan. But you've got this sense of the Jordan being split again and walking on dry land. A lot more of the uh, going to the promised land symbolism, it seems. But one thing that stuck out to me was this talking about uh, they, they he kept there kept being this splitting. Um, look at verse eleven if you have it. And as they stood still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, that being Elijah and Elijah. And Elijah went up in a whirlwind into heaven. It kind of reminds me of that God cutting a covenant with. Abraham, right? And they separated the sacrifices, split them in half, and walked between them. And then you've got the parting of the water again. It's just very covenantal, I would say. And then God is with, even in a double portion, promises to be with Elisha. And is. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, too, that even after Elijah ascends into heaven, um, they want to go look for him. Yeah, You know, and they spend days going to look for him. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why, and I'll get into that later, of why uh, the Ascension had to be the way that it was. And why there were two angels like, hey, Jesus isn't, you know, climbing in your windows, you know, sneaking uh, around. The uh, verse 15, you have this statement, the spirit of Elijah rests of Elijah rests on Elijah. It almost sounds like that baptism of Jesus when, when the spirit descended and landed on, on Christ and it was visible to John. And And that's kind of what we get to this promise of the father that I Mm -hmm. will send you. Right. Um, that's Mm -hmm. why the gospel of John is such a, such popular reading in, um, in the one year lectionary, which is wonderful. So anything else, Vicar? Um, not from those two. I looked at the Luke one a little bit here. All right. Um, but but all th- all three kind of have that same obvious theme going and the Holy Spirit involved in all of them. And... All right. Well, then, let's move on to our next section. Uh, I'm doing a what it is, what it ain't, what it could be, uh, and why the Ascension matters to you and why you should celebrate it. So, Peter, play the intro. What is it? Who knows? We do. It's time for what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. 
all right berg so this is a what it is of what it is what it ain't what it could be of why the ascension matters basically okay or so what it could be to you right yeah ascension ascension to you right to you because unfortunately um well like we see uh in hampton right um they're not celebrating the they're not celebrating the ascension on thursday um a lot of churches don't unfortunately um Ascension seems like kind of a bump in the road between uh, Easter and Pentecost in a lot of ways. It's kind of like the uh, redheaded stepchild of the Christian festivals. I resent that, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I was waiting for reaction. He didn't think it was all that funny, so I hope the listener <laughs> at home did. So, But anyway, so this is why uh, you should actually beg your pastor to uh, set an Ascension service for next year and celebrate it. So what it is. So what it is. What it is. First, the Ascension is historical. It was viewed by people. This is actually in contradistinction to the resurrection, which had no witnesses and needed none, right? Nobody actually watched and observed Jesus' heart start beating again, right? Right. There was nobody there. Um, Nobody was there to uh, watch him get up pass through the walls of the tomb, all that kind of stuff. Why? Because, as Acts 1-3 said, he showed himself alive by many infallible proofs. He ate fish. Uh, he let people put their fingers into his wounds. Uh, he conversed with them for 40 days. Uh, all that kind of stuff, right? So, in contradistinction to the resurrection, which needed no witnesses, uh, there were a lot of witnesses to the ascension. Right? Christ ascended while they beheld it. Right? And this is a very, very important point, that people actually saw it, they were there, they marked it. Second, the ascension was an actual upward motion, right? I actually was—I bring this up because I was watching one of these movies. Um, oh, it had that—the uh, guy who played Luther, what's his name? Fienes? Yeah, I, I don't right? remember. Um, in, in the uh, early zeros, right? He played Luther— and um, in this movie on the resurrection, he played a centurion, and it becomes kind of this detective story. And uh, then he meets Jesus, uh, resurrected and alive. Uh, it's an all right movie. It's fine. But then it kind of has Jesus, like, walking away, waving, walking into the sunset, and that's the ascension, which is kind of weird, right? So that's right. the thing. There, it was actually an upward motion. Uh, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Right? Jesus actually went up. This is not a mere disappearance. It's not a mere disappearance like that of Enoch, right? We mentioned uh, before Elijah, right? And that's the Old Testament reading. We could also mention Enoch, because Enoch, the seventh from Adam, is the other man who never died besides Elijah. And it says that he was not, for the Lord took him. Right? Jesus could have disappeared had he wanted to, right? He did it a right. lot in his post-resurrection, in these post-resurrection narratives, like uh, with the disciples of Emmaus, right? Or um, when he disappears out of their sight in the locked upper room, right? And there he, was he does that quite a bit. Um, Is there one of those uh, stories that's probably the funniest from the Bible? Um, I think it's hilarious when they're in the... Uh, Sea of Tiberias, and they're fishing. Like, Peter's like, I'm going to go fishing. And 
they're like seven other disciples. They're like, yeah, sure, let's go fishing, right? And they're working, and um, they don't catch anything all night. And Jesus is sitting on the uh, seashore, and he says, hey, you know, basically throw your nets on the other side. So they do, and they have this miraculous catch of fish. I think it's like, a you know, 300. And there's some weird number that I'm sure means something, but I don't know what it means. And then Peter just like, you know, he doesn't realize it. But John says, it's the Lord. And he jumps into the water and swims to shore, <laughs> forsaking all these other guys, you know, who are trying to drag in this miraculous catch of fish. And so then they get to the shore and breakfast is prepared. Then it says, and then nobody said anything. They were afraid to ask him who he was. <laughs> oh, I just think it's so hilarious because a half naked Peter jumps into the water, swims to shore, and then doesn't say anything. Yeah, it pops up and goes, hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, it's, I, I find that to be hilarious. Did but, you see uh, that the, those fish? Crazy, huh? Anyway, what's for dinner? <laughs> it's kind of like when you know that there's a kid, like the parents always say, yeah, you know, my kid was talking about you, really wants to see you. And then you actually see the kid and they don't say anything. They, they don't even they look at you. They can't even speak. Yeah. And that's kind of what it is in like, what is it? John uh, 21, tw you know, they just, <laughs> it's like, oh, we're so excited to see the... Uh... <laughs> So I think that's hilarious. Um, all right, next point. The ascension is the glorious termination of Jesus' visible conversation, that is his familiar intercourse or intimate uh, acquaintance or association with his church on earth. Okay, so what does that mean? It means that um, we can't go and converse with Jesus uh, in the same way that the disciples did uh, in his earthly ministry, right? So it doesn't mean that Jesus is gone. We'll get that in, into that in the next point. But you can't actually go and like give Jesus a high five, or like your favorite hymn, Peter. If I could have a beer with Jesus, <laughs> right? uh, uh, I'm. <laughs> First of all, why'd you choose me? I guess because like I would say Bullhagen, but then Bullhagen can't also have beer. <laughs> Second of all, I feel like that song is probably older than I am. I've never heard of it. Oh, really? You've never heard "If I Could Have a Beer with Jesus"? Nope, never. Man, we'll have to uh, do an in-depth study on that hymn one day. Yeah, for sure. By the so, way, I think I'm getting a little bit of a headache from this Baja Blast. It's not. It's it's it tastes fine, but I think it's going straight to my head, man. It it hurts. I have too many yeah. chemicals rolling around in there. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm done with sugar. it. I, Ugh. I had like three big gulps and I'm done. <laughs> Come on, the show isn't that bad. I mean, oh uh, no, I think the problem is that this is zero sugar. Oh yeah, like it's that, got some like fake, it. fake stuff in it. I don't know. Ugh, gross. Anyway, something that's not fake is the ascension is Christ's visible entrance, according to his human nature, into his heavenly kingdom. Um, this is what Vicar uh, mentioned earlier. Uh, as God, Jesus never actually left his throne, right? He was always everywhere. Uh, but now the human nature is exalted above all things. A man now sits on the throne of God uh, and is everywhere ruling uh, over the entire universe. So a man is now almighty. A man is now uh, omnipresent. A man is now omniscient. And Which really... In... Oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
No, please. Yeah, I just think it puts things into perspective, this whole trial he had before Pontius Pilate as a king, right? He went on trial for the truth and and for are you a king? And there was a point when Pilate got actually really scared and came back to him and questioned him again. Where did you say you're from? Yeah, exactly. He said this man has made himself the son of God. He thought he could have been like uh, Hercules or something, right? A demigod. Right. But uh, he's much more than that, thanks be to God. Um, But that's the thing is that uh, Jesus was tried and he was convicted, and he was convicted unjustly, and that's what the resurrection is. The resurrection is God the Father's testimony that Jesus was innocent, right? And uh, that's why there will be a second coming, a visible second coming, and a visible and general final judgment, right? To prove that, yeah, this man who was crucified unjustly is alive and now rules over all things, and he will judge justly. So that's very comforting. Yep. And a couple of Bible passages that go along with that, Mark sixteen nineteen. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. Um, and then Ephesians four ten, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So ain't. What it ain't. The ascension ain't gone but not forgotten. This is what uh, the Calvinists think, right? That Jesus is somehow locked up in heaven. His human nature is locked up in heaven and uh, cannot actually come and be among us in his flesh and blood, which is why in the Lord's Supper they believe that by faith you ascend to heaven to feast on Jesus. And that's why what the uh, unbeliever eats uh, in the Lord's Supper is merely bread and wine. But that's not true. What does Jesus promise? Matthew eighteen twenty, For where two or three are gathered together in my name... I am there in the midst of them. And then Matthew 28, 20, that uh, the church is not only to baptize, but to teach uh, teach them to observe all things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even though Jesus is not present with us in the same manner as he was present with his disciples, we can't uh, talk with him face to face, we can't have a beer with him, uh, we can't uh, give him a big high five or a fist bump, Right? But in, in a way, this is much, much better. This is to our advantage. Why? Because can you imagine if Jesus didn't ascend into heaven? None of us would ever actually be able to get to him. You'd get like one of those waiting tickets, and it'd be like in the take, millions, right? Take a number. Yep. Take a number, right? It'd be like the paralytic, right? They had to dig a hole in the roof to let that guy d- down so Jesus could heal him, right? There'd be no way that any of us would actually be able to talk with Jesus, uh, see him, or anything like that. But now, the great thing is, is since the ascension and the sending of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is present wherever his word and his sacraments are, right? Jesus' body and blood is on 10,000 altars simultaneously. It's beautiful, right? Jesus' voice is heard uh, in many languages across the globe simultaneously, because he has now ascended above uh, the highest heaven to fill all things. And those are his promises. Because if, And it's very important that we also say that this is according to his human nature. Because if you can separate the God and the man, then only a man died for you. And if only a man died for you, you're damned. Right? But right. Jesus is God and man. And these two can't be separated. 
All right. The ascension ain't a natural necessity. The ascension is free. It's a free action. It's not from a natural necessity, but by a free choice of means that Christ assumed a local and visible motion, like going up, right? Although if he had wished, he could have removed himself from his disciples in a moment of time and so occupied heaven. But it pleased the Savior gradually to go upward in order that the disciples might testify of his actual ascension all the more clearly and confidently. <coughs> I mean, this is the thing, right? Jesus wanted there to be no doubt that he ascended into heaven, that he didn't just simply uh, do a David Copperfield and end up in America, you know, teaching the Native Americans or the Eskimos or whatever, right? Um, right. This is why he did what he did, and he did it freely. Uh, so that way they could be confidently and uh, very clearly uh, reassured that, no, Jesus actually did ascend into heaven. He's not somewhere else that we can't find him. And that was the problem with Elijah, right? They went to right. go search for him, you know? So even though they had the testimony of Elisha that, no, he's in heaven, right? Fiery chari chariots and da-da-da-da-da, right? But, and then the ascension ain't a seat of rest. It's not a place where Jesus, like, you know, it's not a, a lazy boy where he can kick off his shoes and be like, well, I did all my work, right? Done now, finished, over, right? No, uh, Jesus actually ascended into heaven uh, in order to work, and Jesus works still. He rules all things uh, for our benefit. And we see that in Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. God the Father worked... A, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, but he does have a nice footstool, right? Because the earth is his footstool. Right. Yeah, he does. And yet, what is he not doing? He doesn't put his feet up and just let the world no. go by, right? Right. Which is, uh, unfortunately, the way that it uh, is usually taken. And I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't want the earth as my footstool. The earth is kind of gross. Yeah, there, isn't there a hymn about Jesus coming to breathe our polluted air or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's probably one of them Kretzman hymns or not Kretzman, probably. whatever you know the one of them guys. I don't know some modern. They're the worst. <laughs> so Ephesians one twenty through twenty three. God the Father worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might, and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So <clears throat> all things have been put under Christ's feet. He rules all things. Um, nothing happens without Christ's approval. And that is a very comforting thing, uh, especially when we see things going wrong in the world today. <clears throat> All right, so what can the ascension be for you? What is the ascension for you? What could it be? What it could be. The ascension reminds us that one goal of the ascension is the paradise of the redeemed, where those who are Christ's forever dwell with him after this life. Christ uh, promised in John chapter 14 that he went ahead to prepare a place for us in my Father's house are many mansions. Uh, and the ascension shows us that he has gone ahead of us in order to 
prepare a place for us. This is why Paul can say such wonderful things as, For I am hard-pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. And also Luke twenty-three forty-three, where Jesus said to the thief, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. The ascension reminds us that those loved ones that we have who have died in the faith are safely dwelling with Christ forever and ever, and that he has gone ahead in order to prepare a place for them in heaven in his Father's mansion. Uh, next, the ascension for us uh, can remind us that Christ has ascended to the right hand of God to exercise universal and perpetual dominion. Mark sixteen nineteen, 19, uh, Jesus was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And this should remind us of Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. This is quoted by 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty eight, where it says, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So, even though our world is terrible, the world is very evil, it seems as if the devil is winning and that the church is failing, it's simply not true. The Ascension teaches us this. It teaches us that Jesus does reign. Jesus is king. The devil doesn't have any more power. The devil isn't some sort of anti-God. Uh, the devil is always God's devil. And he has to stay within the bounds that Christ has set. So this is a very, very comforting day for us. Uh, the victory has been won. Our Savior now reigns over all things for our benefit, and he's working all things together for good. And that is really the main reason why we should be celebrating the Ascension, uh, especially in these dark days, um, because life kind of stinks sometimes. So, so Vicar, how do you feel yeah. now that you're not doing a, an Ascension service? Just terrible. <laughs> I'm, but I'm bringing it to the people all week. Everybody I'm seeing, I'm reading and talking about the ascension. So, good. And well, I, I hope all the other pastors are too. So, so that is what it is, what it ain't, what it could be. Ascension to you. So, what else do we have, Vicar? You said you had something, right? We have a hymn that, um, Berg picked out for us to look at today from Hymnoglypt, um, and it's got a German title, Berg. What, what does it, that mean? Because I didn't look what Fest that means. Fest und Hocht auf dem Thron. It means, uh, it means uh, so like fast, like if something is fast, it is uh, <coughs> solid, unmovable. So it's basically unmovable and high upon the throne is the uh, German title of this hymn. All right. So I would just like to go through it kind of stanza by stanza from the translated copy, and we could talk about that. The first one says, Seated high on the throne, glorious is Christ the Son, clothed in bright majesty, brilliant in deity. Now his realm he hath set, firm against every threat, and Satan who had bound us fast right away i feel like we cover you covered a lot of that and you're what it is ain't and could be but you have this 
um, seated on, on the throne, you know, like the right uh, in our Apostles' Creed, how we confess that he's seated at the right hand of the Father. The King is finally on the throne and his full deity revealed, uh, glorified, exalted. You've got this sense, they mentioned brilliant in deity, maybe even transfigured. And then uh, victory over Satan, right? Which we talked, you talked about a little bit too. Right. And then stanza two, leading by his decree, captive captivity, he doth the spirit send men in their need to mend and his gifts to bestow that in all truth we go and to counsel in every ill. So we have this first, this uh, kind of royal decree. It reminds us too of the announcement of the birth of Christ and the reason why Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem because there was a decree by Caesar. Well, that's only an earthly king, and here's a heavenly king now leading by his decree, the heavenly king. And then you have this uh, allusion to Pentecost with the he doth the Spirit send, and then um, the talk about the truth, that all that in all truth we go. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the truth in God's word and to counsel in every ill. So we have this truth and the comforter, this work of the Holy Spirit that is now possible because Jesus sent his Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. The next stanza, anything you want to add to that before I... Yeah, the cap- the captive captivity is a reference to Ephesians 4.8 that Christ led captivity captive and gave gifts to men, where he talks about the prophets and the apostles, mm-hmm. right? And that's what we're going to get in the next verse, aren't we? Yeah, and what about uh, what he said to John the Baptist? Uh, you know, tell them the uh, those in prison are freed and the blind see, the lame walk, all that, from mm-hmm. fulfillment of Isaiah prophecy. right. So in stanza three, Satan's works to defy and poor man to supply with his protection sure, preachers he doth secure over over the earth for us men, Christendom to sustain by holy word and sacrament. That is a Lutheran stanza if there ever was one. We have this talk about all of Christendom being sustained by God's holy word and sacrament and other uh, churches just don't say it that way. We, as Lutherans, are bold enough and proud enough to say what what we know sustains us, where Jesus promises to meet us. Amen. But at the beginning of that stanza, we have some more work of the Holy Spirit. Supplication, uh, protector, uh, the preaching of the word, right? Preachers he doth secure. Um Preaching the word of God, it's, it's, it's God's word that does the work. We know that. Um, but the Holy Spirit allows people to even hear that in faith and to, to prick the heart of those who hear the law and heal those who hear the gospel. That's about it for that one that I have. Um, stanza four. As with dauntless ascent he into glory went, so he cometh again with his angelic train, Hailed the champion of might, judgment to pass as right, 
and give to all their just reward. So we have this talk now too about his second coming and angels and judgment and might, all these uh, these things like the uh, Daniel prophecy and just that this fulfillment will be coming in Christ. Anything you would like to add for that? Um, give to all their just reward is great because oftentimes this is something that we don't talk about uh, as Lutherans very much that, that the Bible does, that um, uh, they people will receive their just rewards at the end, right? Um, and what is the just reward for the believer? It's obviously eternal life, right? right? This is what we learn in the Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? Great is their reward. Um, <clears throat> so that's the thing. By faith, uh, we do good works, and God does reward those good works. He also rewards evil works, too. Uh, and by rewarding them, I mean he punishes them. So, Absolutely. Ready to move on to five? Stanza Please. five? Jesus Christ, Lord and God, King over the heavens broad, and the earth thou hast made, graciously lend thine aid, that we may ever be, lifting our hearts to thee, awaiting here thy glad return. So that first uh, couple lines there made me think of the, the great confession, right, that Peter made, uh, that he is Lord and Christ. And it's this stanza's confessing that Jesus Christ is God. He's Lord and God. And then king over the heavens broad and the earth thou hast made. So also like a John 1, 1 reference that he... He is the creator. He's the author of life. He was there at creation. And then the, the, the last part, that we may ever be lifting our hearts to thee, awaiting thy glad return. <coughs> that made me think, uh, too, about Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and mm -hmm. renew a right spirit within me. Just that one of these works of Christ and the Holy Spirit is that it changes our heart. It, it's a changed heart, not us changing God's word for our heart's desire. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or um, the uh, communion liturgy, right? Lift up your hearts. We lift them up we unto lift the them Lord. To the Lord. Yeah, I, I also wrote down a reference to James 5, 7 to 8, and I'll, yeah. I'll just read, read that to remember why I wrote that. Uh, James 7 and 8 says, from chapter 5 says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. So that has a, a lot of that talk of heart and something, um, you know, with about his return. So the way he left is the way he will return. Mm -hmm. And uh, the fact that he did leave that way is proof he could also return that way. Mm -hmm. Stanza six. Praise to God be assigned, who hath so loved mankind, that he gave us his Son, to be our mercy throne, that by him who doth reign, we might his spirit gain, and go his, go his blessedness to know. So that first part seems to... Uh, 
uh, echo John 3.16. Praise to God be a sign who hath so loved mankind that he gave his son, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have this mention of the to be our mercy throne. That's kind of like the mercy seat. Right. It's and a neat sort of play on throne, right? Right. That this is not simply a, a throne of uh, might and power, but one also of mercy. There was a great chapel sermon once uh, from Dr. Kuntz on the chairs of the Bible. That would be a good one to try and look up or get a copy of sometime. Just a great mm-hmm. study of that. And then the last part, we might his spirit gain and go his blessedness to know. So it kind of leaves us looking towards Pentecost, which is right around the corner. Amen. I like that hymn. I'd like to hear the music for it sometime. Yeah, I'd have to find it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, I think we successfully filled an episode without Bullhagen. Look at that. Living the dream. Good work. So, Vicar, if they want to tell us how much they miss Bullhagen, where can they get a hold of us? Well, they could email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, or on Twitter at Clerical Errors P, P for podcast. And they could also find us online, especially our store, at store.clericalerrors.org. Are, right. are people buying the merch? Uh, it's really slowed down since, since it came out, which is to be expected because right. we got a lot of uh, dedicated listeners, but not a lot of new ones. We don't have a lot right. of uh, evangelizers for the show, let's just say. So get out there, spread the clerical errors word, right? Right. We're we're calling on you, the clerical errors army. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to mention, uh, I appreciate it because we got some emails. Uh, I got one from Jillian, uh, Jillian that says she did cringe, but mostly laughed. Uh, that must have been in reference to all the Zoomer uh, vocabulary I was using. I still don't understand that, but. Yeah, no <laughs> idea, man. So, and uh, Hannah sent us a few questions that we're going to hit up in the next episode. So thank you guys, and uh, keep them coming. Well, great. Well, yes, thank you for listening to the show. I'm Berg. I'm Vicar. May your ascensions go up. Thank you for joining us. This podcast is available on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Questions, thoughts, concerns? You can contact us on Facebook at facebook.com slash podcast, on Twitter at clericalheirsp for podcast, or email us at feedback at clericalheirs.org. Thanks for listening to Clerical Heirs. See you next time.